Hi everyone, welcome to White Coats of the Round Table Off Script. My name is Mike Asbeck and I'm here with John McDonald. A little bit different today, so if you've noticed, we're releasing this episode on what is normally an off week. For the first year, we were doing every other week and we were doing bonus episodes for our Patreon members. As the podcast continues to grow and evolve, John and I have made the decision that we are switching to a weekly episode format, so you're going to get double the fun, more of us in your feed. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but one of the ways that we want to do this, we want to test and kind of have a little bit of fun with creativity. One of the things we were doing with our Patreon membership bonus episodes was they were completely unscripted and ended up being more behind the scenes more of just a hangout of John and I kind of exchanging our thoughts on various topics. And we want to maintain that informality and continue it on the main episode feed. So what we're going to try and do is still alternate between more formal episodes of White Coats of the Round Table that are structured with show outlines with guests, but then intersperse episodes that we'll still call off script that will be more informal, John and I hanging out and maybe looking at one question and then taking that question and just running with it. So, John, how are you this evening? Well, a lot better now. All right. What are you drinking? So this is, I want to say it's embarrassing. I don't think it's embarrassing, but it definitely is a little bit more feminine uh, for my taste. <laughs> I, honestly, the, the marketing is pretty great. If anybody can see that. Two chips. Two, okay. two chips. I, so I bought this stuff. For some friends that were coming over, and I snuck one myself because I bought them for the ladies, and I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. What is it? Is it a cocktail it's in a, a can? Yeah, it's one of those cocktails in a can. It's a tequila grapefruit cocktail. So Ooh. it's a so Paloma. A Paloma, yeah. Paloma, come on. Excellent. I, I'm enjoying this. What do you got? I am sticking with straight bourbon. I'm doing Jefferson Reserve Neat because it's a winter night, and bourbon straight feels like a good winter drink. That you should have, you know, how they have incense for um, people who uh, enjoy the devil's lettuce. Mm-hmm. You should have like a, just a tobacco, um, like a dish of tobacco, you just light on fire for when you when you drink that stuff. It's pretty manly. <laughs> At some point, I, I've thought about that of having a, an off script episode where we do cigars, but I figure that's going to hurt our sponsorship opportunities in the healthcare space. Well, we can probably replace things like Proscar or Finasteride. By giving people a strong drink to put hair on their chest instead. Maybe. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about tonight? I know we were bouncing some some ideas. I think the format that we're going to stick with now for the weekly episodes is just try and pick one question and then use that as a discussion prompt and then just see where it takes us. Yeah, I think uh, something that's interesting, I think we've, we talked about in other stories as a part of other podcasts, but... I don't even think I know the whole story from why you even went into becoming a I don't think I've ever told you, no. So You've never told me why you're a pharmacist. Yeah, so I will. why don't we just tell our stories, um, and uh, we'll talk about some of the good, the bad, the ugly, and expectations. I think that's what's interesting to me is a lot of people in my class, when they came into school, they never, a lot of them didn't never even step foot in a pharmacy, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So- even more so, how many people go into a career without doing a shadow or a mentor? I think this is a good opportunity to kind of share what our expectations were for going into school, why we even chose it, and how is it different now compared to what we thought it was going to be. Good I think and it's great. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a good opportunity to tell our stories, but yeah. I love the idea of kind of comparing 
what our expectations were when we were 18 and graduating high school right. compared to now 10 years into our careers. Well, let's. Uh, why don't you start first? Because you know that I cannot set the bar. It'll be too long. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So for listeners that uh, may not be familiar or maybe just joining us, I am a psychiatric PA. I've been a PA for about 11 years, and I did that right out of high school. I did a bachelor, master's combined program. So my story of how I got into healthcare was when I was a junior, no, actually a sophomore in high school, I wanted to be a physical therapist. So I was a three-sport athlete. My sophomore year of high school, I did soccer, basketball, track, and always enjoyed, you know, going to see the athletic trainer and stretching and just the, the sports medicine aspect of that. So I thought, oh, physical therapy makes a lot of sense. It's something that would, you know, keep me connected to sports. So my parents very wisely encouraged me to do an internship over the summer as a sophomore. So I arranged and did, with a family friend, I did an internship at Erie County Medical Center at the PT department with Brett Long. I'm going to give a shout out in case by some odd chance Brett listens. Woo woo, Brett. Uh, you know Brett, right? You know Brett and Christina. Yeah. So I did an internship with Brett. And I spent an entire summer there. And if I remember correctly, it was a lot of hours. I was doing two or three days a week and spending eight hours a day there. So it was significant. And I loved it. Thought it was great. A lot of what we were doing at ECMC was people that were coming off of joint replacement surgery. So it wasn't sports medicine per se, but it was still a lot of fun, really enjoyable. The work environment was great. And towards the end of the summer, Brett pulls me aside and he goes, do you really want to be a PT? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he goes, mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't want to do this. <laughs> and I said, well, I kind of do. And so then afterwards, he said, well, you know, you should consider PA. He said, my wife's a PA. It's less schooling. It's more money. It's more flexibility. If you don't like sports medicine or ortho, you have the ability to go do other things. So, and I had never even heard of PA. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So that kind of got the wheels turning, and I ended up talking to his wife, Christina, and she gave some insight. I think I may have shadowed her once or twice. And the the interesting thing about it, the small world, is so Christina, who's the PA, actually was my babysitter because it's a family friend. And now my wife is a coworker of Christina's. They work together at the medical practice that they're at. So, you know, very small world. Full circle. Yeah, kind of love Buffalo. So I started looking into PA and fell in love with it realized that this was just a great profession in the sense that it did give an incredible amount of flexibility, the yeah. earning potential based on compared to the amount of school and the cost of school, I thought was a pretty good return on investment. I did briefly look at medical school and even at 17 years old, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to start making any money until I'm in my thirties. I'm not going to have a life until I'm in my thirties. And then I'm going to come out and make only, you know, 150, 160 if you're primary care or something like that. It just didn't add up to me. It didn't seem like the the investment was a good enough return. Mm. So I applied to one school my senior year. <laughs> I applied to Damon. I applied to no other schools. My parents freaked out. They, you know, said, you need to apply elsewhere. You need to have backup plans. I said, no, I'll just do that. I'll get in. So thankfully, I did get in, and the rest is history. So I um, became a PA, didn't think I wanted to do psych, Still was up until graduation from PA school thinking that I was going to do ortho or ER because, you know, guys that go into medicine do ortho or ER. Great bones. Yeah. 
and interviewed, had a couple job offers in surgical surgical specialties, and they were all, you know, decent job offers, but, you know, 60-hour work weeks, nights, right. weekends, healthcare. And at the time, I was already, was I married or getting married, and wanted to start a family young and just didn't like the idea of all the hours that would be involved, you know, working Christmas, New Year's, all of that. And there was a job posting for psychiatry outpatient Monday through Friday. And I was like, I enjoyed my mental health rotation. So on a flyer, I just applied for it. Within 10 minutes of sitting down and interviewing with my boss, Dr. Capote, I was in love. I knew it was the right spot. Dr. Capote or? I was in love with Dr. Capote. Yes, that's true. Okay. Yeah. He's a, he's a loyal listener. So he'll love that. (laughs) But I just, I knew I was in the right spot in what I didn't know at the time that now retrospectively I do is that psychiatry I think is great for me because it's so analytical and it's still very hypothesis based, you know, in ortho it's very cookbook. Mm-hmm. Someone breaks a bone, you know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to put them in a cast. You're going to do six weeks of, you know, in cast six weeks of PT, don't whatever. For, don't forget the ANSEF or. Right. Of course. Thank you. But psychiatry is so different because if you have, let's say, cognitive difficulties, you know, that's a cross-cutting symptom is what we call it, where it can be a million and one different things. You know, you can have cognitive dysfunction with anxiety, with depression, with ADHD, with schizophrenia, with Alzheimer's. So it's always a puzzle and you're trying to figure out based on a grouping of symptoms, the best path forward. And it's fascinating. And even today, 11 years into it, every day is a challenge. Every day is exciting. Some days are more difficult or more exhausting than others, but it's still a lot of fun. So I think in the greater scheme of things, to answer the question, did it meet my expectations? I would say yes. I think PA is an incredible field. The fact that I was able to you know, come out with a master's degree and then start making really good money and provide you know, a, a living for my family that is quite comfortable so quickly after school, it's been great. And I think the trade-off of PA versus you know, physician of having a more limited scope of practice that then has grown as my experience and competence has grown. It's really a logical way in my mind to approach medicine. Mm. So I think it has met expectations, although my expectations at maybe 17 were, I didn't know what I didn't know. So it it turned out differently, of course, but I think it's still been good. So how about you? Well, I want to ask you one question about yours though, because there's a few things that were skipped over and I'm sure because of time as I do, right? Sure. Uh, can we talk a little bit about what was the what was the military uh, excursion all about? What when did you? Oh yeah, I just I was went right through the military. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's the hard thing when you're trying to make the story into a a soundbite. I mean, I, I will say the that for interviewing <laughs> techniques, Mike, that was a great elevator uh, talk about your past history. It's like we do some public speaking every once in a while. Yeah. So military played in. So we weren't really a military family. But my brother, my younger brother, went to West Point. I don't know why. I think he wanted to go to an Ivy League school, and West Point accepted him, and that was the most prestigious school. So he was like, all right, I'm doing it. But he went to West Point. I had interest in the military. I had interest in the military paying my student loans. Sure. So that was always good. So I initially joined ROTC in undergrad. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I did. Yep. And then- Because I was in a BSMS program, my master's degree component started my third year Mm -hmm. because it was an accelerated program. Right. So I was doing ROTC. 
my first year of PA school and PA school is quite intense and I was struggling. I think I ended up with like a 2.9, no, maybe not that low, but you know, a low throughout GPA. And after the first semester of PA school, I sat down with my ROTC advisor and said, I can't do this because it was five days a week of getting up at 5 a.m. for PT. Every fourth weekend, you would go away for training and it just was not conducive. Every day in, in college? Monday through Friday with ROTC, you had to get up at 5 a.m. to do PT. I didn't know that was every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And then you also had to take a military science class. So I was doing all of the PA school and military science courses on top of that and getting up at 5 a.m. every day. So it was just a lot. So I talked to the ROTC advisor and told him I was just struggling. And he said, well, the needs of the Army are more important than your desire to be a PA. And I said, well, then <laughs> I said, okay, then, you know, this is the point where I leap. So yeah. thankfully, are you a coward, Mike, or not? That's what you said. Thankfully, the, uh, the military does give an out. So even though I was a scholarship ROTC cadet, um, I was able to leave. And then basically all the money that they paid towards my school up to that point, I had to pay back, but jokes on them because I had to pay it back at an interest rate of like point. 1% when student loans were, you know, 4 or 5% right. at that point. So I still came out ahead. And then as soon as I graduated from PA school, I did what's called a direct commission. So for medical and other specialties in the military that are considered, um, you know, a highly, highly trained or highly specific need, they'll just let you walk right in basically. Mm-hmm. So I direct commissioned as an officer, came right back into the Army Reserve. I did a four-week um, officer basic training down in OCS Texas or... It's a little bit different because it's for medical, but yeah, very similar, um, which was one of the most fun experiences of my life. It was like adult summer camp. We got to ride around in helicopters. We went hiking in the woods. We hung around saw, the Air Force guys. Yeah, I saw a lot of rattlesnakes. <laughs> so it was a ton of fun. It was like summer camp. You know, yeah, they were getting you up at 3 a.m. and yelling at you. And, you know, I got tear gassed and all the other things that come with the military. But overall, it was fun. I mean, half of that is just growing <laughs> up in a German family. So right. yeah, the German the German genes prepared me. You know, yeah, no sympathy, no mercy. Oh, talk so to you. Yeah. did military. The military paid for paid off my PA school loans, and then also um, paid for my doctorate. So I did about six years in the reserve. I did a mobilization down in Texas where I did deployment medicine. And then um, I got out and it served me great. It treated me very well. So it was a really positive experience. I think the biggest thing that I would say to people that may be interested in the military that are in healthcare is that the military opened up doors for me in terms of leadership and building my CV for consulting and for business. I learned a lot from a medical perspective, but I certainly I probably could have gotten that same clinical training elsewhere on the civilian side if I had pursued it. But what the military offered was a lot of that managerial experience and leadership experience that allowed me to really catapult into consulting work once I became on the civilian side, once I started doing that. Now, did they, I mean, I'm not sure this is even the case, but did you get any security clearances when you uh, were an officer? So Yeah, I held a secret security clearance for, I think mine expired now, but I had that for eight years. Which is valuable. I think it's worth tens of thousands of dollars from my understanding to get have a, a secret security clearance. And that would allow you, if you had that clearance, uh, to work in a civilian um, position for the military if you wanted to mm-hmm. contract in that way, which is also lucrative. Mm-hmm. 
Very good, man. I mean, yeah, I think that's great because you did something that I wanted to do, but I didn't do. Um, we can get into that story uh, when it's my turn. All right. I'd say it's your turn. I want to hear my your turn. story and then we can uh, popcorn back and forth, but yeah. I want to hear your journey. Yeah. So mine started when I was in high school, I had a bunch of ideas of what I wanted to do. Um, it it went from pharmacy to being in the military, to mechanical engineering, everything. Just because I I didn't do too bad in school, I enjoyed a lot of different topics. And so it wasn't easy for me to just to choose one thing. It wasn't one thing I really enjoyed. I just knew I was capable of a lot of different things. So I just had to choose what was best for me. It, so I chose to send uh, letters to Annapolis and West Point and did not get in. <laughs> so actually, I took a year sabbatical after sabbatical. It sounds ridiculous, but I took a year off to travel and do some volunteer work a year after my schooling, uh, after I left high school. And that's after I did the traveling. I entered school uh, when I was uh, 19 to start pre-pharmacy. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but somebody had suggested, hey, you like you like chemistry, you like you biology, like drugs? Doing, you like drugs, I'm just doing that, <laughs> success. Uh, <laughs> like, and and you, you like to talk to people. You're very friendly. You've got the gift of gab. I was like, okay. Like you should try pharmacy. At that point, I worked at a grocery store, so I had worked uh, front end stuff, cashiering, the management stuff up there. I'd done maintenance, and I got denied being uh, uh, getting hired as a technician in the pharmacy by a manager who hired my sister on. But he's like, no, I'm not hiring you. And so I thought that was done, <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting the job eventually a year or so later, where I was a technician, and I didn't really wasn't sold on it though that's the that's the thing i completed two years of pre-pharmacy work uh i did probably three and a half years within two years though Mm -hmm. i really um pushed it all together did my winter and my summer classes i did not have really much of a life uh but looking back now like anything without kids is a life it's so true you don't know how much time you do have until you have kids. It's like, so oh, true. Right. And a lot of time. You look back and you think, I was so busy. And now yeah, like, with kids in I retrospect, yeah. Time. What did I do? Yeah. We didn't even have TikTok. So <laughs> um so when I was going through my schooling, I, I did I did very well in a lot of my studies, except general bio of all courses, one of the weed out courses, I got a C and that was going to drown me. So I had to take the course over again. And that was embarrassing for me. It was a real uh, strike to my um, my humble nature, of course. <laughs> so I finished and I was started applying to schools. And we had to take a, an exam called the PCAT exam. But I wasn't still wasn't sold on it. So I applied to a few different places, Mike. Um, I applied and got accepted into DUville for PA school. Uh, I got it, I got accepted into Canisius for OT, and I got accepted into Fisher for pharmacy. So I just had to choose. And the reason I chose pharmacy, I mean, they're, they're all medical. They're all uh, person, uh, person-to-person med- medical care. So it was all me- uh, kind of check the boxes. 
And I just assumed that pharmacists came out making the most, which they did. <laughs> At the time, they made the most right out of the gate. Right. And I wanted something that was seemingly friendly, uh, family friendly. And it was most, I didn't know anything outside of retail though. So it was working hours. They close at nine. You don't have to work every single night, maybe one week or two weeks. week. I was like, I can do that. That's fine. So I went in for that. Um, now fast forwarding through school, I did the same thing. Like my first year of pharmacy school, I was not doing so well. Uh, microbiology, I skipped that. It was a, it was an elective. I it didn't, it was optional and I should have taken it. Um, so anybody listening who's considering pharmacy school, Take your microbiology or you're going to have a hell of a time. I've been getting broadly through. for healthcare because micro yeah. is very important Ooh. for me as well. I had a lot of making up to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a pretty poor average and I was staying up till 3 a.m. every night studying like hard. And I said, like, this isn't worth it. So I just stopped. I stopped studying that much and my grades actually got better. So... Uh, things worked out. I got into my rotations and I was like, what is this hospital stuff? What's all this clinical stuff? I love it. And uh, so I pursued uh, a residency and I, I didn't land my residency. I had to scramble during the residency. And uh, the the place that wanted to accept me was all the way in California. And we, we had just, we just found out we were pregnant. We were having our, our first child. And it's like, well, I don't think we can do it. So we didn't do it and uh, found my way through a different, a few different positions within uh, retail, uh, some inpatient, some consulting. And I've had a very diverse career so far um, in only 10 years. It hasn't even been a full 10 years yet, Mike. And I feel like I've done a lot of different things and I'm so excited about the future. And that's what this is all about is I see a, f a future that's different for pharmacy and for healthcare in general. I think we're on the precipice of it. But if we're talking about expectations, I, I, it did not meet my expectations. I can tell you that um, for good and for bad. Sure. My expectations were that I was make a I was going to be a millionaire. I thought that money was never going to be a problem. I thought that I was going to have respect and feel respect. Um, I felt as though things were just going to get easier as time went on. But the reality is it's not even so much the work. I think it's just, uh, life, uh, family life gets, gets in the way of what your goals might be. There's financial thing. There's just life comes at you and expectations have to change in order to stay relevant to life or even sane. Um, so yeah, no, I, ex I expected the Ritz baby. Um, and that's what every student thinks that's going to happen. That's why they all buy Mercedes and Rolexes when they buy, get out of school thinking that this is going to be the life. But it's like, guys, it's mid one hundreds nowadays even is getting very close to just plain old middle class now. Not that that's a bad thing, but you can't have the expectation that your life is going to be like that. Um, it is a good reminder though, because the, the average American salary, I think is 59 last time I checked and it, then in there's healthcare, also go ahead yeah I think in healthcare we are blessed where you know many of the professions especially the licensed professions are very well compensated yeah but you're right I, I know what you're saying where you know as things continue to progress 
150 is a lot of money when you're in school, but then when you have a family, when you have a mortgage, when you have, you know, student loans, six-figure student loans, the money gets allocated pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But I I do think it's important in healthcare that we also remember that we are so freaking blessed. We are. And the the fact that we have six-figure salary jobs that generally are pretty uh, immune to, you know, economic downturn and recession. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to get laid off because our jobs are getting offshored to India or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a blessing. And I know we often talk about burnout. We often talk about negatives. But I guess I just want to be Pollyanna and be a little bit optimistic that at the, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're still doing pretty well. Well, let's, let's, I want to make sure we take the turn, though, here, because that was the expectations. And then you can get dis- like dissatisfied with sure. where you are in your career because it's not meeting what you thought. Um, I, I believe that in the past three years, that viewpoint has slowly changed for me. And I've, I've started to take my career into my own hands and say, like, we can really make this what we want. We don't have to just sign up with a company and say, I'm going to follow your line until the day I die. And that's, that's a, Mm -hmm. um, life is short. And like, we've always, you and I have said this a million times, Mike, we, we never thought we'd be on a podcast ordering ring lights you can see it against my glasses here which is annoying the crap out of me right now but um but as you can see at the side of my face you see how flushed i am you do look from i figured you it was just because you're ginger one side of my face it's just from the drink anyways what i was just getting to is that i'm now to this point where i see that i don't have to be dissatisfied with anything Mm because i'm the one making the choices and anybody listening is going to be making the choice of what you want to do with your career um, you can take any career and make it something that you're proud of or happy with. So I think that's my drive home point here is like, yes, my expectations were very different. They did not meet what I thought it was going to be. Um, although I am happy that I chose this because I think I do it well. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, what I aim to do with my patients, I accomplish, I get that feedback from them and having, uh, a spouse at home who does have a uh, disorder of well diabetes that caught that requires say, if you keep it vague it's going to sound worse I, I know disorder that sounded bad diabetes is like you understand shortages in medications uh, people who don't understand their medications know how to use Lansing I mean all these things that we assume everybody knows because we've been taught and we've told it 50 million times you're going to get somebody who comes up never seen this thing for the first time ever and you're assuming all the wrong stuff so we we have a great impact and i'm happy that i did this because i can help family too people yeah. still call me thanks thanks for giving my number out mom that is one of the cool things about healthcare. i just had this morning a uh, drug rep come in and a close family friend is struggling and he was just hoping that we could get him in and, and get some help for this child or you know adolescent whatever they are mm-hmm. and it's such a wonderful thing, you know, because I think you hit the nail on the head. So often healthcare is so complicated and it's difficult to navigate. So even for people that may be smart, educated people that can go to Google or can do their own research, it's still very hard to know, okay, should I go see this specialist? Should I go get a second opinion? Who do I call if I need to get this type of imaging done? Mm -hmm. So just working in healthcare, regardless of what your role is, can really, it's such a, a force multiplier for family and for friends where you can help be that shepherd and kind of navigate people through a very complex and sometimes a very broken system. So I think yeah. that is a really nice thing. 
I've got um, a I've got a funny ring like story by the way, which we can save to the end. No, okay, we'll save we'll save the funny until the end. All right. Uh, now that I'm totally, I've distracted you with ring lights. It, well, I mean, you see how this? Maybe I'm getting a sunburn, Mike, off the ring lights. It could be that. Who knows? Um, but okay, so we were talking about why we went into this, what our expectations were going into it, and how we feel currently. Um, we could take this in a couple of different directions. I know that. I know that I can go wherever the wind takes us, Mike. But do you want to take that anywhere else? Because we can go deeper. I think. Or we. Yeah. The the last thing I would say is, I had a similar experience to you where things really took off for me when I realized that working in healthcare did not have to equate to having a singular job where you go in, you work your forty hours, and then you go home. Mm-hmm. I enjoy clinical work and. I, I flirted with the idea of moving into the MSL role in industry and ultimately decided not to because I love my patients. Mm. But in 2016, 2017, I started to do pharmaceutical consulting. I started to teach. So I started to diversify my career where I wasn't just clinical all day, every day. And in terms of career satisfaction, that's when things really took off. Sure. It allowed me to really love and cherish my clinical work but then also have days where I'm doing other stuff. That's a nice change of pace. It gives me a nice opportunity to build skill sets that are not, you know, what I normally do. I, I'm thinking back to our interview with Dr. Grunch where she said, you know, she started doing social media and TikTok stuff, A, to empower women and be a good representation for mm-hmm. them, but B, because she reached a point in her neurosurgery career where she felt like it was starting to get comfortable where, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't necessarily a challenge. She was very proficient in, in all of her tasks and she wanted something new and different just to kind of keep it interesting and keep it fun. Yeah. And I think non-clinical work diversification in our careers allows us to do that. It gives us new challenges mm-hmm. and those opportunities are out there for anyone and everyone that wants to pursue them, even for people that have full-time jobs. I mean, you and I both are still technically full-time employees at our day jobs. We mm-hmm. just do a lot of side hustles and a lot of stuff on, on a lot of extra stuff. outside, yeah. But those opportunities, I really think, are what bring a, a rich, diverse, and very rewarding healthcare career. So I think you hit the nail on the head earlier with mm-hmm. that. And I wanted to reinforce that I had a similar experience. Yeah. it Once you take it into your own hands and you can form something that you can call your own, there's a lot of pride that goes with that. And then the empowerment that you get from just seeing a success. I'll even talk about the podcast for a second, Mike, here, because we we haven't talked about the transparency between what, what this looks like on the daily basis, what we do, how we reach out. But when we get when we find somebody to come on the podcast and make a new uh, healthcare friend or a podcast friend and start texting back and forth and uh, creating this little community, it's it's really encouraging when you when you find somebody that is in uh it's hard to come by uh popular uh not a lot of time to discuss these and they take the time to come hang out with us and discuss these it's it gives me a lot of satisfaction uh something that is accomplished outside of the clinical work or the plain um monotony of what your day looks like it's like okay I we did that or I did that and I can't put that on a corporate plan that was set or an investor or it's just something that I did. Uh 
And so whether it is work or whether you're finding something outside of work that that consumes you uh, and gives you a lot of joy, that's probably where you're going to find the, the happiest people, people who are striving in their work because they find it fun and they, they're they engaged by it and their families can handle that pressure. Or they come, do their 40 hours, they do it to the standard that is set to them in their contract, and they take their money and their time for the rest of the week and just go do the things they want to do, fishing, hiking, like whatever they're doing, they're happy. And that's kind of the goal here is just to find happiness. Some of us need a bit more challenge to to be satisfied though i i think i think happiness can be whatever you know it is for you i know Mm -hmm. that that's inarticulate but you know not everybody's path is going to be the same not everybody's you know happiness or things that bring them joy is going to be the same and well finding your path is really the key whatever that looks like and we're still i think we can both agree finding that thing that makes you really happy is a continual process uh that I think I found stuff that makes me really happy, but I know that I'm going to continue to drive down this and find something else. It's like, I really enjoy this thing about the podcast, and now I'm going to dig into that. Um, those things change, and uh, I'm excited to go out on this journey with you, Mike, and it's it's been over a year now, and I was reflecting on that. It's been um, uh, 15 months Wow, that we've been doing this now. Um, so this is sort of like a recap of why we even started this whole thing in healthcare, where it brought us. And now we're here today just discussing, we, we, we got to the point where we're at a podcast and 10 years from now, Mike, it's going to be something different. I think I'm sure it will be my goodness. I hope it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was, this was a more pleasant conversation than, than I thought you let me talk a bit more. Well, I love the off script format. So even as we're moving to a weekly episode release, I think mm-hmm. retaining the ability for us to just have these chats and then share them with our listeners. And if, if they don't like them, fine. But who knows? I think <laughs> I think we're pretty interesting, so we'll see. I mean, most people probably just put us on mute and just watch us anyways. <laughs> just to see that red face. Yeah. All right. Just So here's so. the question. Do you want to hear the ring light story yeah, in course. the episode or off air? No, let's do it now. I right. got to get somebody with the listeners. Yeah, they, they need right. something to come back to. So actually, you were there. We presented at the, the New York PA Association. We did a presentation there on non-clinical careers, and we were in Saratoga Springs, which is a nice little town. I forget why. Oh, it wasn't podcast related. I actually had my ring light with me because I was recording patient case study videos for a different company. Shout out to Point of Care Network. And... and I went out to my car to get the ring light was walking through the hotel lobby with the ring light and everybody kept looking over and staring at me and I could not figure out why as I got in the elevator went up I finally it dawned on me I was like I'm in a hotel with a ring light Mm -hmm. people are not immediately thinking oh I bet he's going upstairs to do schizophrenia case studies yeah yeah so I realized (laughs) that you know they probably thought I was an amateur pornographer but no, I promise. <laughs> it was just case studies. So that's my ring light story. But you're right. I never thought I would be owning yeah. three ring lights in my life. And yet here we are. Yeah. Nerd, nerds like you. And <laughs> I'm not going to say me because I was always very popular. Uh, those types of hotel stories don't happen to people like you, Mike. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, that's fair. Well, yeah, I think this good. is a high point to end this. I, I, I agree. Uh and for anybody else who is going to be hearing this, you're gonna you're probably wanting a little bit more about the story behind Patreon. Uh, 
Mike and I have decided that we want to bring the these stories to everybody uh, across the our listenership with less uh, cursing. Yeah, with less. Cursing. <laughs> we're gonna have to use that. We're gonna have to use that button. Yeah. Um. So we we want to share these stories with everybody. So we're, we are shutting down the Patreon account. So this can be free for everybody. Uh, so we really hope that everybody enjoys it. It's going to bring extra content throughout the year. Uh, and this is probably our, uh, we can see our staging process, Mike, from year one to year two, uh, having more guests, having more off scripted podcasts like this. We might even just call it the segment off script anyways. I think Uh, we retain the name. I like it. So everybody can understand when we do post with an off script as the title, you know, it's going to be a little bit more laid back, informal, and more about stories and experiences. So if that's something you're interested in, please take a listen to those as we post them. Otherwise, we're always happy to have you guys here. Uh, and we want to hear from you. As always, please reach out to us on Facebook. And you can go to our page. Our web page is at whitecoatsdowntable.com. We really hope you visit that. Our producer uh, and web was that editor developer um, are working on this uh, restructuring it so you're going to see a lot of different changes um, and we will be starting to grab email addresses to send out uh, weekly inform- uh, information or call them bulletins Mike whatever I don't think we call newsletters them. whatever but we want to be in touch with you we want to be in touch with you so please visit the website uh, and next time it's going to be Mike Asbeck and John McDonald again on White Coast Round Table. We hope you guys all have a great night.